Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 88 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. The Rangers picking up just a fantastic win last night on the road against the New York Islanders. The game goes into overtime, and the Rangers, about 30 seconds into the extra time, Artemi Panarin steals the puck, gets it to Mika Zibanejad. Zibanejad just winds up and tattoos an absolute snipe into the net, and the Rangers take a 4-3 victory, a much-needed win. It was going to be... Going into the overtime, it was either going to be one of the Rangers' best victories of the season or one of the absolute worst, most gut-punch losses because the Rangers had a two-goal lead relatively late in the third period here with less than six minutes to go. The Rangers were on the power play and had a two-goal lead. And, you know, on one hand, you can look at it and say that in a situation like that, you shouldn't even have to go to overtime. You should find a way to close out in regulation. But you know what? This is just the latest example of this team simply finding a way to get it done. We saw it against the Sharks over the weekend as well. was not a perfect game by the Rangers by any stretch of the imagination, and last night wasn't perfect either. You know, they had a little bit of a sluggish first period, and like I said, they gave away the two-goal lead in the third period, but they hung in there, they kept fighting, they found a way, and in big games like this, you need your superstars to come through. And what are the, who are the two players in the overtime that made it happen? Yeah, Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad. Just an outstanding defensive play by Panarin, right near his own blue line, steals the puck and starts moving in. Kind of a partial breakaway, although you could kind of tell the Islanders were going to converge on him a little bit, and they did, and they were all over him, but he somehow finds a way to get a pass to the center of the ice, and Mika Zibanejad is right there. He's all by himself. He's got all the time in the world, and he just winds back, and like I said, just tattoos a slap shot, and just like that, the game's over. I mean, if you blink, you miss this puck going into the net, and really, Varlamov had no chance of stopping it. Just a fantastic win for the Rangers, and their eighth straight road win here. That is a new franchise record. That was Mika Zibanejad's 100th goal, and man, you talk about finding the perfect time to score your 100th goal, the perfect place to score your 100th goal, and the perfect opponent to score your 100th goal against. Mika Zibanejad does all that, takes care of all that in one fell swoop. Just coming up clutch for the Rangers, along with Panarin, the two best players in the Rangers, coming up big when their team needs them the most. Because this, like we said, this would have been a pretty disastrous loss. You know, the Rangers, for as well as they've played lately, even after this win, still on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, the Islanders, one of the teams that they're trying to track down. They had a two-goal lead late. They let it get away. You do have to give some credit to the Islanders. They fought back in this one. And it is unfortunate that the Islanders get a point out of this. But you know what? Who cares about all that? Because once again, the Rangers find a way to get it done. It's just as simple as that. It's not always pretty. They were outshot in this game 45-28. to 28, And like we said, a rough first period where they just could not get anything going. But here we are talking about another Ranger win. So it's awesome. Take it any way you can get it. You're going to have to find a way to win games in a variety of different ways down the stretch here, especially when you're going up against a team that is basically just as desperate as you are because the Islanders, you know, they're in the playoffs right now, but not by a whole lot. So these games are big for them as well. And we're going to get a lot of playoff-like atmospheres down the stretch here because, you know, the Rangers, they can't take their foot off the gas. I know we've had a ton of fun here post-All-Star break. They're winning all these games, but they can't slow down now because even after all these wins, you know, still trying to still trying to chase down a playoff spot. 
But nevertheless, this was a fantastic team win for the Rangers. They got some secondary scoring, Greg McKegg and Brett Howden each lighting the lamp, and just fantastic goaltending from Alex Georgiev. I've probably already gone too long without mentioning Georgiev. He was just money in this game. Really kept them in the game in the first period. He was under heavy fire at that time and just was on top of his game all throughout. And the craziest thing about this to me is, you know, obviously Igor Shosturkin and Pavel Buchnevich involved in the car accident over the weekend, and then the trade deadline was on Monday. And you wonder, you know, if that car accident doesn't happen, and first of all, again, thank God that the Shosturkin and Buchnevich are going to be okay. But, you know, you do think about it from a hockey perspective as well. If that car accident doesn't happen, is it possible that the Rangers would have traded Alex Georgiev before the deadline? I mean, I think certainly it's possible as far as like putting a percentage on it. It's kind of hard to do that. It probably would have depended on what other teams were offering for Alex Georgiev. But we saw a couple of goalies on the move right around the trade deadline and a couple of them even on deadline day. So, yeah, I mean, Georgiev might have been a, a sought-after player. But, uh, you know, obviously with Shesterkin sustaining the injury, the Rangers probably wanted to hang on to Georgiev and, uh, you know, see if he can keep them in this playoff chase coming down the stretch here. So he might have been closer to being traded than we will ever know, but he is not traded. He's still a Ranger, and he came up clutch last night. And the thing I love about it, too, is, you know, it's been a challenging situation with this three-goalie rotation, and you could argue that maybe nobody has had, you know, a worse deal out of the whole situation than Alex Georgiev, because, you know, Georgiev he deserves better than being basically a third-string goalie. And, you know, you could argue, you know, is he ahead of Lundqvist? Is he behind Lundqvist? But, you know, on most nights recently, it's been Shesterkin starting, and rightfully so. The, the guy's just been incredible. But he's been starting, and then Lundqvist, you're not going to healthy scratch him. I know they did the one game, but that was extenuating circumstances. And so you're, most nights you were having Shesterkin in the net and Lundqvist backing him up, and you were having to watch from the press box, which really, Georgiev deserves better than that. And, now he's got his chance, but he didn't whine, he didn't mope, he didn't say anything negative about the organization while that was going on. He just stayed patient, he waited for his opportunity, and he's got a huge opportunity down the stretch here. You know, if he plays well for the Rangers and he leads them into the playoffs, and, you know, maybe he even is the goalie in the playoffs because we think Shesterkin's going to be out for a month, but there's no way to know that for sure. It's possible they get Shesterkin back before the postseason. But man, if Georgiev comes up money for this team down the stretch, and, you know, leads them into the playoffs, then Georgiev's looking at, you know, probably a pretty nice payday for himself in the offseason. We mentioned that Georgiev is a restricted free agent at the end of the season, but he might have some suitors, some teams might come calling if he plays well down the stretch here. Now, this is another one of those games where it's probably fair to say that the Rangers allowed too many shots on net, 45 shots on net. Georgiev comes up with 42 of them, and, you know, going forward, I, I think it's a situation that the Rangers, they're going to have to tighten up a little bit defensively and, you know, keep this from happening so often because you can't rely on your goalie, whether it's Shesterkin or Georgiev or even Lundqvist, you can't rely on your goalie to absolutely just stand on his head every single night. And like we said, I think Georgiev really kind of picked the Rangers up last night. And that's an issue that the Rangers are going to have to correct as far as, you know, allowing so many shots on goal. But you know what? We'll worry about that another day. This was just a fantastic victory for the Rangers. Another big two points in the standings. And as far as the playoffs are concerned, pretty much everything went the way that the Rangers would have wanted it to go last night around the rest of the league. Obviously, the Rangers beat the Islanders, so that was great. But the Blue Jackets lost, the Hurricanes lost, the Panthers did win, but the Panthers are behind the Rangers right now. Well, they both have 72 points, but the Rangers have played one fewer game than the Panthers. But here's your updated, you know, wild card standings here. The Islanders still have the top wild card. They have 77 points. 
Right behind them, the Columbus Blue Jackets with 76 points. And then on the outside looking in, you've got the Hurricanes with 74 points, the Rangers with 72 points. But the interesting thing here is, yes, the Blue Jackets are the second wild card right now, but they have played 65 games. The Hurricanes and the Rangers have both played just 62 games. So it's right there. I mean, the Rangers, they are right there. They basically control their own destiny down the stretch. If they win enough games, if they continue to play like this, they're going to make the playoffs. And it's just crazy to think that it feels like we blinked and they've gone from being 10 or 12 points out of the playoffs to just being right there. It's within their grasp, and we'll see how this goes. I still think the Shesterkin loss is, is huge for this team, but Georgiev picking up the slack last night, next man up, playing some great hockey for the Rangers. They're going to need him down the stretch, and they're going to need Henrik Lundqvist as well. The other thing that really kind of hit me as I was watching this game in the first period is that all these things that the Rangers did leading up to and at the trade deadline are very real. And what I mean by that is we all watched the trade deadline with bated breath and we're all kind of on pins and needles, kind of anticipating what the Rangers might do and what they might not do. And then, of course, you get the two big announcements on deadline day, one being that the Rangers have re-signed Chris Kreider to a new seven-year deal and the other being that Brady Shea is on his way to the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for a first-round draft pick. But as much as we've all been talking about both of those moves, it doesn't really become real until you actually see this team on the ice for the first time after making these moves. Now, Kreider, he was sick last night, and it kind of showed he just didn't really have any burst in his game, uh, you know, just trying to gut it out, fight through the uh, the sickness there, especially probably knowing that Pavel Buchnevich was going to be out, just looking to gut it out for his team. So credit to Chris Kreider for doing that. But it was just great to see him on the ice and just know that, it's all over. You know, there's no more talk about trading Chris Kreider at the trade deadline. The trade deadline has come and passed. Chris Kreider has a new seven-year deal. He's going to be with the Rangers for a long time going forward, and that's just awesome. And you see him on the ice, and you don't have to worry about the trade deadline anymore and what the Rangers may or may not do with Chris Kreider. And by that same token, you know, the first period, it keeps going and it keeps going. And, you know, obviously everybody's, you know, getting their shifts and everybody's on and off the ice, and there's no Brady Shea. And obviously, you know, we knew that. I mean, we knew that he had been traded. We knew that he's no longer on the Rangers, but it doesn't really sink in. It doesn't really become real until you actually watch the team in action and there's no Brady Shea. And, you know, a minute or two goes by, there's no Brady Shea. Five minutes go by, there's no Brady Shea. Ten minutes go by, there's no Brady Shea. And again, obviously, in a literal sense, we all know that. We know that he's gone, but yeah, no, it doesn't really hit you until you're watching these games. So as this game kind of progressed, it kind of started to sink in a little bit that, yes, you know, th this team has changed a little bit over the last couple of days. You know, no more Brady Shea, and Chris Kreider's locked up long-term. And it does feel a little strange because, you know, you look at Chris Kreider, and all we've been thinking about is the trade deadline. Now we don't have to worry about that. And then, of course, there's no Brady Shea at all. So there will be a little bit of an adjustment period here for Ranger fans. But overall, I think both moves were just absolutely outstanding for the Rangers. If you want to hear my full thoughts on the trade deadline, and everything that the Rangers did, you can take a look back at yesterday's episode, episode 87, or even the day before that, episode 86. We've been talking extensively about all the things that the Rangers could do, all the things that they did do, and all the things even that they did not do at the trade deadline this season. So if you missed that, definitely check out either of the two preceding episodes, episodes 87 and 86. Now, Pavel Buchnevich missed this game for the Rangers. He was, of course, involved in that car accident with Igor Shesterkin, and he is still considered day-to-day. But from a hockey standpoint, Rangers obviously had to shuffle their lines a little bit here. And uh, it ended up being Philip Hedl moving up to the first line and playing on the right wing alongside Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. So a little bit of a retooled first line there. I thought that maybe they would give Julian Gauthier a chance on the first line just to kind of 
throw him into the deep end, so to speak, and just kind of tell him sink or swim. But, you know, maybe they didn't want to put that kind of pressure on him so soon out of the gates here. And maybe they're, they're still looking to see if Gautier can kind of earn his stripes as a Ranger, and they're content to just leave him on the fourth line for now. And I think that's completely fine. Filipino's a great choice. I was talking to somebody on Twitter that mentioned maybe Jesper Foss jumps up to the first line. So, of course, we were both wrong. No Gautier, no Jesper Foss, but they moved Filipino up to the first line and move him over to the wing. The second line stays intact, just how it's been for the past however many games. Ryan Strom centering Artemi Panarin and Jesper Foss. The third line, Brett Howden moves up to the third line. He centers Phil, T. Giuseppe, and Capo Cac and then the fourth line, Greg McKaig centering Brendan Lemieux and Julian Gauthier. And then for the defenseman, obviously you got to shake things up a little bit back there because Brady Shea is no longer on this team. So Brendan Smith now seems to have a role as a top six Ranger defenseman, which will keep him in the lineup on most, most nights. Brendan Smith playing alongside Jacob Truba in this one. They were listed as the top defense pairing. They are followed by Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox. And for my money, Lindgren and Fox still the top defense pairing on the Rangers. Uh, you know, I know that in name, it's Smith and Truba, but show me a defense pairing that's been any better than Lindgren and Fox. Maybe not just on the Rangers. Maybe take a look at the NHL. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit to make the point, but man, these guys have just been so good lately, and that continued in this game as well. And then, of course, the third pairing, Mark Stahl and Tony D'Angelo. There's obviously been a heck of a lot to talk about regarding this game. I mean, so much happened. So we're going to cut our review of the first period just a little short here to get to the good stuff later. Basically, in a nutshell, the Islanders had the better of play all throughout this first period. They were really skating circles around the Rangers. Rangers did a nice job weathering the storm, bending but not breaking. And obviously, Alex Georgiev, a huge, huge part of that. He came up with some really clutch saves early in this game. But then the Rangers break through on the scoreboard first. Artemi Panarin gains entry. He passes back to the blue line to Tony D'Angelo. D'Angelo dishes to his right to Ryan Lindgren. And what a play by Ryan Lindgren here. You know, keeping his head up the entire time, surveying the ice, looking at his options while moving toward the net. So he's moving toward the net. And then he really had to thread the needle, this cross ice pass to Artemi Panarin in the left faceoff circle. And Panarin just one times at home gets the puck just under the right pad of Semyon Varlamov. And so that was a huge spot in the game for the Rangers because, like we said, up to this point, the Rangers had really been outplayed. I mean, there's really no other way to say it, but Artemi Panarin gives them the lead going into the first intermission. The Islanders, I thought, continued to have the better of play here early in the second period, but Alex Georgiev, again, coming up big, made a, a really nice glove save while the Islanders were rushing into the zone. And then Michael Delcale gets an opportunity from in deep, kind of a sneaky shot out of nowhere, but Georgiev gets his glove on it, deflects it wide of the net, and Georgiev, like we said once again, really being tested here early in the second period and passing with flying colors. Again, just fantastic job by Georgiev in this game. Can't say enough about his performance from a guy, once again, who was almost traded. I mean, we don't know how close he came to being traded, but it certainly was conceivable that he was going to be on the move come deadline day and coming up clutch for his team here, not letting it bother him. And the Islanders get another chance. Georgiev kicks out his right pad, makes the stop. Islanders are trying to stuff the rebound home, and he gloves the rebound opportunity and gets a play stoppage. So, you know, again, just, just under constant pressure here, but coming up big for the Rangers. And then the Rangers finally get in on the forecheck a little bit here. The fourth line really working hard on the Islanders' side of the ice. Fox circles around behind the net. You know, he hangs onto the puck for a long time. He dishes back toward the blue line to Brennan Lemieux. Lemieux takes a shot from the blue line, and... Greg McKaig gets the deflection in front and makes it 2 to nothing. Rangers not quite halfway through the second period. And we talked about this a little bit in the intro, but you need to get some secondary scoring from time to time. And anytime Greg McKaig 
lights the lamp, I think it qualifies as some secondary scoring. So nice job there by both guys. A great job by Adam Fox maintaining possession of the puck for as long as he did. Finding Brennan Lemieux. I mean, Fox just has such great vision on the ice. And then, you know, again, we've talked about this, but the Rangers just need to throw the puck at the net sometimes. And it's something they've been so much better at in the second part of the season. It was an epidemic early in the season. Nobody would shoot the puck. It would just drive you crazy. But Brendan Lemieux just lets it fly here. He just hopes for the best, and McKeg is there. McKeg gets a deflection, and just like that, you're up 2 to nothing in a game that you've been largely outplayed. I mean, for the most part, even up to this point where the Rangers are up 2 to nothing, the Islanders have had the better of play. And I thought after this, the Rangers kind of started to find their legs a little bit, started to find their game, started to get a little bit of a pushback. You know, obviously, it's a big game for the Islanders, too, and they are at home, and so you do kind of, it's not hard to see why they came out of the gates, you know, strong in this game because, you know, they're on their home ice. They're feeding off the energy of the home fans and the Rangers, you know, they just had to weather the storm and, and they did all that. And just like that, you know, they're up two to nothing at this point. Like we talked about in the intro, Chris Kreider is playing sick in this game and watching this game, you can kind of tell he's just not as visible out there as he's been in recent games, but you can certainly understand it. When I'm sick, I can barely lift my head off the pillow, and there's Chris Kreider out there, you know, playing hockey against the New York Islanders in, in what's just an absolutely huge game for both teams. So, again, kudos to Chris Kreider for gutting it out. And I don't know this for sure. I haven't heard anybody say this. But I just wonder if Kreider basically knew that the Rangers were going to be without Buchnevich tonight. And if you take Buchnevich and Kreider both off the ice, then two-thirds of your top line is out of commission. And I just wonder if that had anything to do with his decision to play in this game and just gut it out for his team. And, you know, obviously a huge game for both sides. And, you know, again, kudos to Chris Kreider for suiting up last night and playing in this game. And then the Islanders do get a late push here late in the second period. They really keep in the puck pin deep in the Rangers zone. They take a shot from around the blue line and the puck goes high and wider than net, but it bounces off of one of the stanchions and just comes right back out in front lands right at the feet of Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, and all he has to do is just tap it home. It could not have taken a worse bounce if you're a Ranger fan. It could not have taken a better bounce if you're an Islander fan. And just like that, it's 2-1 to one late in the second period. The Islanders get a little bit of a gift, but you could also make the argument that they kind of earned it because for a long time there, they had the Rangers back on their heels. They kept the puck in the Rangers' zone, and they get a lucky bounce here, and they take advantage of it. And you know, Georgiev, there's nothing he could do. There's nothing. Mark Stahl was there, too. There's nothing he could do. They were both looking the wrong way, anticipating that the puck would take a normal bounce off of the off of the glass back there. But unfortunately, it just kind of defies physics, lands back in front of the net, and Pajot taps it home. Again, there's nothing anybody could do here. Just a bad break for the Rangers. And they do come back with a pretty solid push in the last minute or two here, do the Rangers. Brendan Smith puts a shot off the outside of the post. Strom got a chance on the doorstep. Tony D'Angelo had an opportunity or two late here. Just couldn't quite put the puck home. And then with 11 seconds left, Zibanejad wins an offensive zone draw. Gets the puck to Philip Hedl on the doorstep. Hedl's looking for the stuff in. Varlamov didn't know where the puck was, but he somehow kept it out. And we go into the second intermission with the Rangers still hanging on to a 2-1 lead. Third period begins, and Philip Hedl takes an early hooking penalty and a little bit of a ticky-tack call by the ref there, I thought. David Quinn was not happy about it either, but the Islanders get on the power play. Truba and Foss both make great plays on this penalty kill here. Blocking passes, the Rangers get the clear. Zibanejad follows up by breaking up another pass. He gets the clear, and that pretty much does it. A great, great penalty kill by the Rangers. And Philip Hedl came up with a steal in the neutral zone, and it kind of just made me think, like, the Rangers really, I thought 
played some great hockey in the neutral zone in this game. You know, there were a couple of instances where they stole the puck away from the Islanders, and it led directly to some Rangers scoring opportunities. Just strong, strong performance in the neutral zone overall, I thought, in this game. And, you know, that's an important part of hockey as well. And it's going to be big as you start to play these playoff-like games down the stretch to be able to take control of the puck in the neutral zone. There are a couple of times where they just outright stole the puck from the Islanders. So that was great to see. And then we got to talk about this. Jacob Truba just absolutely tattoos his man in the neutral zone, Michael Del Calle. It was a clean hit for my money. To me, it looked like Truba basically just put his shoulder into Del Calle's chest, and Del Calle kind of had his head down, wasn't really paying attention to where he was going, and basically he might as well have had a sign on his chest that said, hit me, and that's exactly what Truba did. Now, Truba levels him, knocks him to the ice. Pajot jumps Truba and starts fighting him. Truba basically, you know, a couple of punches, and Truba wrestles Pajot down to the ice, and Pajot gets a 10-minute misconduct here for instigating. He gets 17 total penalty minutes, the 10 minutes for the misconduct, the 5 for fighting, and the 2 for instigating, and Truba just gets the 5 for fighting, so the Rangers go on the power play here. You go on social media, and you've got a lot of Ranger fans saying it was clean. You've got a lot of Islander fans saying it was dirty, and to me, it looked like he targeted the chest, and there's nothing dirty about that, and it doesn't sound like Jacob is going to hear for the league. I would say rightfully so that he does not hear from the league on this one. Look, this is what the Rangers got Truba for in part. I mean, I know a lot of it is you know his offensive game as well, but they want him to be a monster back there. They want him to be a guy that throws his weight around, makes you think twice about where you're going on the ice, make you kind of always keep an eye on Jacob Truba because he can do this. He can hit you like a Mack truck, and that's exactly what he did here. And again, for my money, this was a clean hit. So it is what it is, you know, and I don't felt Pajot either to a certain extent. I mean, hockey has changed, and it seems like anytime somebody delivers a big hit, they got to drop the gloves and be in a fight with somebody else. But yeah, I mean, Pajot, you know, listen, he's new on his team. It's his first game with the Islanders. He wants to stand up for his teammate, win himself over in the locker room, and I'm sure with the fan base as well. So it is what it is. You know, I don't really fault anybody in this situation for anything that they did. The Rangers do get a power play out of all this, but unfortunately, the Islanders kill it off. And then after the power play, I wanted to mention this, the Islanders getting a little bit of a push, and Capo Caco just makes an outstanding defensive play. The Islanders, again, they're kind of circling the puck around the perimeter, and Capo Caco makes just a great defensive play. He lays out near the blue line and just knocks the puck away from the Islanders defenseman back down the ice. So Capo Caco coming up big there, kind of short-circuiting what had been a pretty solid push by the Islanders. And then the Rangers get back on the attack, and they convert... Ryan Lindgren passes to Brennan Smith, and Smith just lets it fly with a slap shot from the blue line. Brett Howden is there in front. He deflects at home. So again, some secondary scoring from the Rangers. They go up 3-1 to one with about 11 minutes to go here. It's Ryan Lindgren's first two-point game. And as for Brennan Smith, look, he's got an opportunity here. And we've talked about Brennan Smith on this podcast, and you know I've talked about how he's certainly overpaid for a fourth-line forward, a guy who isn't even playing his natural position. The Rangers gave him this contract a few years ago, and didn't seem like he had really lived up to it. But now with the trade of Brady Shea, Brennan Smith by default becomes one of the Rangers top six defensemen. And I think he's going to be out there unless he plays his way out of this role. He's going to be one of the guys who's dressed every night for the Rangers as one of the six defensemen. And he's got an opportunity. He's back at his normal position and he played well in this game. I thought he had a strong defensive game and making it happen here, letting a slap shot, you know, just rip at the net. So something that I didn't even mention because we talked about yesterday all the 
reasons why it's a good idea for the Rangers to trade Brady Shea for the first-round draft pick. One of the things I didn't even mention is that it allows Brennan Smith to move back to his normal position back onto defense, and so now you're going to get the most that you can get out of Brendan Smith because as a fourth-line forward, listen, credit to him for changing positions. There's a lot of guys who would not be willing to do that, but how much value were the Rangers really getting out of Brendan Smith as a fourth-line forward? Now he's back at defenseman, and all six defensemen are going to be huge. They're all going to play. They're all going to play some significant minutes. And Brendan Smith, like we said, strong game here in his first game back at, as a defenseman. He's had a couple other appearances as a defenseman this season as well for the Rangers. But now it looks like that's going to be probably a permanent move for him. So he's really got an opportunity to kind of, you know, just reestablish himself as, you know, at least a solid defenseman for the Rangers. We'll certainly keep an eye on him going forward. Definitely an intriguing situation to monitor. And then right after picking up the primary assist here, Smith makes a really nice defensive play. The Islanders moving in on a little bit of a rush, and Brendan Smith knocks the puck away. A nice stick check there, and, you know, out of harm's way, prevents a scoring opportunity for the Islanders. Then the Islanders, they appear to get one back with 7.44 remaining, but the ref immediately waves off a goal. Anders Lee was there. He was in the crease, and he bumped into Alex Georgiev just a little bit. The Islanders challenge the call. The call stands, and that means the Rangers go on a power play. I guess by the letter of the law, it technically is goalie interference, and so maybe it's one of those things where the call on the ice was just going to stand no matter how they called it. But yeah, bottom line, Rangers get a power play. And keep in mind, there's only 7 minutes and 44 seconds left here. The Rangers have a two-goal lead, and they're going on the power play. So if they can just get through this power play without giving up a shorthanded goal or without taking a penalty themselves, they're just going to bleed another two minutes off the clock. That's even if they don't score, and they'll be up by two goals with less than six minutes to go. Unfortunately... Strom trips up Mayfield 14 seconds into the power play. And just like that, we have to go four on four. And this is where it all kind of started to fall apart for the Rangers here in the third period. I mean, they they really did a nice job kind of finding their game in the second period and playing well up to this point from the middle of the second period until now. I thought the Rangers were outstanding. But, you know, it kind of goes south here. You do have to give some credit to the Islanders, like we said, for coming back. But, yeah, you know, this when you're up by, like we said, two goals and... 7.44 to go, and you're on the power play, you shouldn't be going to overtime. you got to find a way to close out. But again, I'm not going to kill the Rangers because they found a way to get it done in the end. And once again, you know, the Islanders did make some plays down the stretch here. But yeah, the 4-on-4 four four ends. The Islanders are going to be up a man for 14 seconds, and they score. Jordan Everly comes out of the penalty box, basically just goes right to the net. Uh, a nice play by Barsal. you got to give him some credit here. He was kind of dancing with the puck, keeping it away from Ryan Lindgren. And Everly receives the pass, backhands at home, 3-2 with 5.37 left to play. About a minute later, Eberle gets another great chance. You know, the Islanders get another sustained push in the Rangers zone, and Georgiev once again comes up clutch, deflects the puck wide of the net. And then, of course, the Islanders pull Varlamov with 1.42 to go. Georgiev makes another save with 1.21 left, holds for a play stoppage. The Islanders take a timeout, and the Rangers go McKeg, Truba, Zibanejad, Foss, and Lindgren here. The Islanders win the faceoff. Barzal takes a shot. Georgiev deflects it away. And the Islanders are just swarming here. You know, they're all over the Rangers. The Rangers really back on their heels. They can't really put any pressure on the puck. These guys have been out there for a long time. We're getting into the waning seconds here. And the Islanders tie the game on a deflection with 17.9 seconds remaining. Just unfortunate the Rangers just couldn't quite hold them off. You could almost kind of feel this coming. It just felt like the Rangers, like we said, really back on their heels here. And again, just unable to to get control of the puck, and the Islanders just maintain possession for a long time here, and Brock Nelson with a deflection, kind of a sharp angle there, but he deflects it home, and just like that, we're going to overtime, and I already talked about the overtime period in the intro of the show, but 
hey, you know what? It was awesome. It was only 28 seconds. Let's do it again. So the Rangers start with D'Angelo, Panarin, and Zibanejad. The Islanders win the opening faceoff. Panarin gets the steal just inside the Ranger blue line, gets the partial break. All the Islanders, all three of them really kind of converge on Panarin. They're trying to get the puck away from him, but he's not having it. Plays the puck back to an open spot on the ice, and Zibanejad comes skating up just a full head of steam and just rifles a shot into the net. And just like that, the Rangers win. One of the best wins of the season. Was it perfect? No. There were stretches in this game where the Rangers did not play well. The Islanders were kind of skating circles around them. But that kind of makes it all the more sweet in the end because they found a way to get it done despite not, you know, dominating from start to finish. They find a way to win on the road to take down their rivals for the third time in four games this season. And I'll tell you something else. If the Rangers end up making the playoffs... Think about this. They are a combined 7-1 and one against the Hurricanes and the Islanders. The Rangers won all four matchups against the Carolina Hurricanes, and they take three out of four from the Islanders. And so these are two teams that, despite being 7-1 and one against, the Rangers are still trailing in the standings. Now imagine if the Rangers had gone like 3-5 and five against these teams. Yeah, the playoff picture would look quite a bit different right now, wouldn't it? We wouldn't really be within striking distance. So if the Rangers somehow eke their way into the playoffs and either the Hurricanes or Islanders miss the playoffs, look no further than this 7-1 and record against these two teams. It's absolutely huge, and it gives the Rangers a chance because, like we said, they're right there. We talked about the playoff standings earlier. They're within striking distance. They really have a chance to make this happen. I mean, it really is crazy. And the Rangers will close out the month of February with a back-to-back on Thursday and Friday. They are playing at Montreal and at Philadelphia, respectively, on those two days. The puck drops at 7 p.m. on both nights. And again, just just huge games for the Rangers. You know, you got to keep going. No word yet on who will start between the pipes for the Rangers on those nights. But I would think, I mean, you've got to give Georgiev an encore performance after what he just did against the Islanders, right? So I would think he'll probably be in net in Montreal, and then maybe you go back to Lundqvist for a game at Philadelphia, and just fingers crossed that Georgiev and Lundqvist can continue to hold down the fort, continue to play well for the Rangers, give them a chance to complete what has just been an epic run, an epic march back into this playoff picture here. It's going to be a lot of fun down the stretch here. I mean, it's already been a lot of fun, and the Rangers, like we said, right in the thick of the playoff picture. If they win enough games down the stretch, they're not even going to have to worry about what anybody else does. If they play good enough hockey and they win enough games, they're going to the playoffs, and it's just wild to even sit here and say that when you think about where this team was as recently as, you know, two or three weeks ago. They've just been on an absolute rampage, and they have earned their way back into the playoff picture. As of right now, I do not think there's going to be a new episode tomorrow, Thursday, but we will have new episodes on Friday and Saturday. That's just the way it's going to have to be this week. But that'll be a lot of fun as well because on Friday, you know, obviously we can talk about the game against the Canadians from the night before. And on Saturday, we can talk about the game against the Flyers from the night before. So I'll talk to you guys then. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's get another two points in Montreal on Thursday night. It's another big one. I mean, every game is going to be huge down the stretch, especially as long as the Rangers are on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. But they're they're close. You know, they're as close as they've been pretty much all season. So, yeah, huge game in Montreal. Let's get the job done. Let's get another two points. And then let's come back here and talk about it on Friday. Once again, guys, if you want to get in touch with this podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to definitely give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.